Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I said what you know about it. It's the stew, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stew, baby. And the room a lot. Hello, hello. We're listening to The Stew. My name is Jason Stewart. <laughs> this is my food podcast. What is good? We have four people today. The beers are cracking. We got a guest. Andre Conoparo is in the building. Stewie is in the building. Hello, everybody. Um, okay, we're just getting these mic levels. Terrence Tay, our old friend, is in the house. Say hello, Terrence. What's good? A little bit. Let's little, get a little bit little more water. volume on that voice, Governor. What's good? I'm going to project. You gotta project. You're in the biz, man. You know how it goes. I haven't got headshots yet. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners at home, he is British. <laughs> That's right. British and Asian. It's that special. Great combo. <laughs> is this our first our first British guest? I think so, yeah. Yes, it is. You're... Thank you. Hey, all right. Who, Thank you who for else? crossing that off for us. What guests like, are on this, dude? Just luminaries of the, the food world. I don't know if they have this phrase in London, but a, a real who's who of the <laughs> culinary world, the Batalis of the world, the Bourdains, the list goes on. The Changs. The Changs. <laughs> Chris Chang, yeah. Chris Chang has. Chris Chang has Chris been. Chang, yeah. Not David mm-hmm. Chang. Yeah, the Chang no. gang. No. All, yeah. We got, yeah, and there's no Bronsons. No Huangs. <laughs> Yet. Yeah, somehow, yeah. I don't well, think we're ever going to have Eddie Wong so on this either, podcast. Yeah. But, no, yeah. This is more of a... This is, a, this is real. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is more real. This is the food podcast your grandmother warned you about. This is the MS-13 of food podcasts, mm. and everybody knows it. Very gangster. So, Terrence, we, we've known yes. you for a long time. You're, you're also floating around in the food world. <coughs> you've helped write a cookbook. Yes. You've done some pop-ups. You've worked on some websites and editorial food contents and you've some, cooked yourself some pilots some what some pilots some pilots what kind of pilots the don't say fried chicken pilot mm. uh the short lived pilot how'd that pilot work out for you not that well still kicking around still there what were you hoping what were you hoping to have this pilot consist of this was we actually shot it Okay, this kind of shows what kind of timeline this was. Rusco was a guest on the pilot. No way. That's awesome. M- <laughs> Dubstep <laughs> producer Rusco was a guest. Uh, Maluka, and not the new Maluka Mala, but the old Maluka. Mm-hmm. The fiery Maluka. What, mm. what year was this? Fuego Maluka. So far, this has nothing to do with food. She it's was, they were, the, we were cooking. We were, it was with the Dante, yeah. yeah. Dante vibes. Okay. I don't know, maybe 2011, 12, okay. 2011? Mm-hmm. No, maybe actually earlier. No, 2010, 2011. Because basically we got the pilot. We didn't get it anywhere, but we got... <laughs> hooked. 
Whoa. Lenny Troutman is also oh, on the Lenny podcast. It's feeling that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got a we got a cookbook deal from it though. Oh, that's perfect. So that's how we got that. I think that's plenty to be thankful for. What consisted of a of a 2010 food hipster indie music food pilot? So. What tied into it, which you was pretty some, funny. brought some singers over, and then we're, like, we're going to make fried chicken? That was, the, that was dinner with the band. Although the same mm-hmm. guy, Kaleem Armstrong, who's a very dear friend and pretty amazing filmmaker now, he actually was the director on both pilots. Dinner mm-hmm. with the band got picked up. Mm-hmm. Dante Fried Chicken did not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was... So ours was a little bit different. So it was like kind of cooking around the world, cooking with guests, and then um, trying to... It was part travel show, part food. Mm-hmm. We shot the pilot in London, all around West London, around Carnival. Mm-hmm. There's so many food and travel shows now. I mean, I'm just I'm dying for something else. I just can't I can't stand watching another person just know. go to another place that people have been to on every other show. Yeah, it's just so rough. I mean, everyone has to have their own take, you know. Cause especially LA. LA is gigantic, so. <laughs> You could do a million episodes <laughs> on LA. He, or the Lenny agrees with me. San Francisco alone, yeah, it's endless. So, I mean, I, I, I agree and disagree because you're getting other people's perspectives. Yeah, but they all go to the same places. Well, that's, yeah, and that, I mean, that's kind of the, that's the hard thing is to try and figure out what exactly, what's new, what's interesting, where, what hasn't been completely shot out. Um, yeah, and what, and what you want to watch. Yes. More, like, that's the main thing that a lot of people, I think, forget about. Just the idea if you're making a show, it's for people to watch it. I mean, if it's good, you know, I guess it's just the whole point is just to make it good. Yeah, but it's not good. Exactly. We need something better. Well, well, it's also, I mean, you're inherently kind of putting yourself slightly at a disservice when you're building a show, or at least with the travel food shows, when travel is such a big part of your show, it eats so much of your budget. If you're not mm-hmm. already on a network, if you're not, you know, it's like you're already making making the choice to be like, this is not going to be cheap or easy logistically. Yeah. And you're also, I mean, unless you have that Bourdain money, it's like you can't really spend the time you would want to in a place covering it as well as you'd want to once you do all the work to get people there. It's hard. It's, it's definitely towing a line. But then at the same time, it's also very exciting in the same way. I mean... I would love to see an eight-part show on food in Detroit, food in Pittsburgh. Where you literally just cover like six restaurants a show. And that's, I mean, I don't hang my hat on Guy Fieri, but I still think, <laughs> I, and I yeah. ride for this, that Diners, Drives, and Dives is a better show than a lot of food shows in the way that it's engaging. He's frustrating to look at, but where he goes and what he covers is something that kind of is glossed over in a lot of other food shows. Mm-hmm. He's okay with not finding a cool hipster place that's yeah. different and unique. If you have a great pancake, he's going to show up, and that's kind of like it does have to, to be ex- a funky little joint though. It does. It does. Have to does. Be a, and they got to have parking. <laughs> they got to have <laughs> triple D's. But it's. <laughs> but I have, and I've said this before. I've walked into places, and you know, Oinkster. But I've walked into places that I wanted to eat at, and suddenly there's a Guy Fieri poster on the wall, and it's like. Triple D was shot here, and you're just like, God damn it. But then you eat, and it's like, this is actually really good. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, it's, it's food for everyone, and I think there's not enough mix of that sometimes in destination food shows. They're so, showing you a lot of things that people, for the most part, can't be a daily driver. 
like the whole polar opposite would be Chef's Table. 100%. But I think there's absolutely a place for that show. And that show is, I think, the pinnacle of quality and, and if you're really cinematography slow of that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it's, but that's the thing. It's like I think too many things are trying to be that. Or you get food competition shows, which are my least favorite, because I really like to separate food from competition because it's the last thing that draws me to food is is mm. somehow something's better as opposed to it's all great and why i still write for top chef though even though it's kind of total garbage right now i i used to be a big top chef fan but now it, now it has become garbage where where it used to be like a straight up competition show like make the best blank and then they just do it and now it's like make the best blank while blindfolded yeah. in a shark tank underwater and then if you don't cook the egg in time they're gonna dump slime on you and, and you can then... only use tostino's pizza rolls <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have to incorporate tostino's pizza rolls that's why the only show i really fuck with is is iron chef the main ingredient yeah. is dino nuggets <laughs> And you're like, what? Why would you do that? This is a dino nugget crusted piece of halibut. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, never, it's never like, what's the best thing you can make? It's just like, what is like a thing that you may be able to yeah. make with this horrible, these horrible circumstances? A lot of broth as well. Always that package <laughs> broth, right? Which oh. you don't get in the UK. You don't get cartons of broth that yeah. look like UHT milk. How, do you, how does your broth Good or bad. come? Six hour silver. You you can't buy prepackaged <laughs> liquid broth. In, you can in the UK? you can, but it's not kind of as prevalent. I would say in that it would be. It's, very, it's much more frowned upon. It wouldn't be the sponsor of a TV show. Mm-hmm. Mm. But you guys are more of a bullion yeah, cube culture as well, though. Hundred percent. I respect yeah. that. Which is basically just that and water, huh? Dried with some MSG. Yeah, loads. Some. Are you, how do you feel about MSG? <laughs> Nothing wrong with MSG. You okay with it? Yeah, fuck with MSG. Mm-hmm. Same. I remember yeah. being a little kid and literally dipping my finger into what looks like the crystals of salt and then literally turning my mouth inside out, though. That was weird. Turning your mouth yeah, inside it's bit, out? it's a bit intense. Like, I haven't experienced... Okay, go yeah, no, they had, like, I just remember, like, kind of growing up and even if we were cooking at home and, say, my father would make fried rice it would always taste like restaurant fried rice. And you're mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is that little thing? And then I, I, when I got you're old enough... You're such a good chef. I wonder, I what that, is it? <laughs> I realized that he put this thing in. And so I remember literally just going, what, are, what does it actually taste like? And licking my finger, dipping it into this bag and putting it in my mouth. And it was crazy. But then the whole... That was more of a fun little thing, but I don't, I don't have anything. But what did it actually taste like exactly? For mm-hmm. those of us who have not just done a little... A little bump of little, pure MSG. <laughs> yeah, just done a little molly hit of pure MSG. It literally Gum, looks it. like kind of... Ketamine? Crystals. It looks like... Ketamine, sorry. A little, a little K. Mm-hmm. It looks like don't fake Google little, that, little... Yeah, little crystals, but kind of long... Kind of um, nylon fibers. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so it looks like that. I've seen it in bags at Asian groceries, but I've yeah. never actually kind of seen it like sitting in a bowl out. I just so, thought it looked like salt, but it's a little yeah, different. No, it looks like literally kind of like little fibers of salt. 
Mm-hmm. So interesting. And it tasted like nothing. It didn't taste of anything. That's the thing that's really weird. It was like, it's gen- literally that enhancer. Exactly. So by itself was just like a very strange sensation of literally turning your mouth inside out. Well, I haven't oh, experienced this that much, but I know people have traveled like in Asia, Southeast Asia. Like it's a condiment. Like yeah, it will be on a exactly. table and but it can mixed be in li- with other stuff. I think as right. a condiment rather than no, no, no. Well, or I've been told there's times where because it, it can be powdered or it can be liquid, and it'll just be like literally a clear liquid on a table without like really anything. Like or maybe mixed with a little bit of salt, but a like Maggie. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You're just looking for the bomb. And you just put a couple squirts in there and toss it up. Yep. What kind of fried rice did Pops make? What was his a uh, his go to? Yeah, give it up. Yeah, eggs, some shrimps. Mm. Some little frozen peas in there. Love frozen peas in the fried rice. The smallest amount of soy sauce, so it still kept that kind of good look. Didn't Just look the color, like yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's it's pretty pretty to, to me, barbecued pork will always be the Cadillac of fried rice. To me, like barbecued pork is always like, that's the go-to flavor I'm looking at in mm. like a nice restaurant, mm-hmm. American Chinese fried rice. The thing that I'm always surprised by with the fried rice is you... Oftentimes, you put like the egg in first, like the what? Right, yeah, hundred percent. The ingredient that takes the least amount of time to cook, yeah, and has the highest potential of overcooking and becoming hard and bad. That's what you put into like a thousand degree wok first, yeah, and then you and you cook all the other ingredients with it, but it still manages to become nice Cheers. and moist and and integrated. I think it's the rice. I think it's well. It's also, <laughs> if you're really trying to do a showpiece fried rice, like you're planning ahead and you know this is going to happen, mm-hmm. also you want to make rice the day before and let it dry out in the fridge mm-hmm. for texture. Oh, right on. And it's also like when yeah, I'm going to make sense, a torta de riso, like when you cook rice with egg and you want a, a very specific firm texture. Yeah, you're not going to get that without letting it kind of sit out and dry a little. Oh, bit. yeah. The best is over. Like if you fry rice and fry it really hard and actually fry it for a bit longer so it dries out even further and yep. that's when it gets super tasty yeah yeah i've been uh house sitting and the the morning my first morning there i woke up and there was a notice that the gas was turned off oh which is pretty sick so i couldn't make coffee which is a big bummer and then i look up and i'm like oh that's a really nice rice cooker so i made it for breakfast well first i i heated up water in the rice cooker to make my own coffee which is like i felt really proud of that very good. You're yeah. definitely MacGyvering this yeah. this morning well, so situation you, so you quite a bit. You boiled your water in a rice, in a rice cooker. cooker. Yeah, and I, I, I waited out properly. You know, I put the, the rice cooker Just like insert the, like the founding on fathers the scale. Used to. Yeah. And oh, I really did it right. I was like amazing. super. Like, I'm going to do this shit. I'm like, I'm just, this is going to. Is gonna, that because whose house you're at just doesn't have a kettle? No, the gas, no, the gas, gas is turned oh, off. The gas is turned off. No, so he has nothing yeah. like... No electric kettle. No yeah. electric kettle. Cold showers, by the way. And um, <laughs> so I was like, I really want eggs. Yeah, but thank God it's 95 degrees outside right now. That's true, but... It's it, still a how's your father morning of when you're house-sitting somebody. Uh, that's oh, true. I mean, it's, it's definitely horrible. I didn't see it coming. But, the, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm saying, thank God it, it ain't February. <laughs> that's true. No, that's true. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. February in Los Angeles. Reminding me. Hella cold. Oh, it'll God. hit. It'll Frigid. hit. Sometimes it'll hit the low sixties. Oh, That's Fahrenheit, not Celsius. Yeah. Well, but the I I cooked my Get rice. That Montclair out. <laughs> you need that Canada my, goose on a my leathers. Like yes. Mm-hmm. It's great. Stone Island. Well, when I cooked my rice for breakfast, I threw sweet potato and onions in in the rice while it's cooking, and it's. Like just kind of like steamed to perfection, mm-hmm. and it just, it just kind of steamed to perfection. To perfection, 
and mm-hmm. I just cracked a couple eggs inside and, and like folded a little mound on top of the eggs, and then I like, let it sit for a bit and then and uh, swirl it up. You can obviously you tell sure I had nothing else to do. Was a Top Chef challenge where yeah, you had to seriously. cook an entire meal? I was hungry, <laughs> and I I was hungry. I, this is the stuff I had just bought the day prior at the grocery store, so I was like, I'm not gonna let this stuff go to waste or. At uh, what point did you, you have know? to incorporate bacon and cheddar hot pockets into your breakfast <laughs> to win the challenge? Never. No, I'm a grown up. Oh. No. Uh-uh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does he have a nice rice cooker or is it just it's a regular? A very nice rice cooker. Fuzzy logic? Yeah. Uh, no. But in that case, pretty good. And it has the warm does it have the warming setting where it's got a, a white rice, brown rice, warming, slow cook, steam, oh, and yeah. Here's the here's the thing. And quick does rice. It, does, it, does it have a kanji button? No, that would be When sick. you see the kanji button, you're just like, damn, uh, where'd you get that yeah, at? That's Amazon.com. Well, that's, yeah. the, that's the M3 enough, series. <laughs> yeah, right? I need to get one of those. Definitely. You're flexing with the kanji button. But I was, I was proud. You know what? You want a little kanji tip? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Always. Kanji tips. This, is a, this should be a little regular segment. So you know like when you go to dim sum spots and the kanji is like super white and really pure and really clean looking and a totally mm-hmm. different texture. Like I like my friends. Yep. Mm-hmm. There you nah. go. <laughs> exactly. So what you've got to do is when you wash the rice, wash it with salt. And like it kind of whatever it does there, what? it kind of like starts to coarsen it out or breaks down or whatever it does. You mm-hmm. wash it with salt, you rinse it like normal, so it's not salty water, not salty water. And then mm-hmm. you um, do mm-hmm. it, and it, what you cook out is super pure white. The um, no rice breaks down. <clears throat> That's a totally so, just like an agitator. I've never heard yeah, this yeah. tip, and Looping. this is, sounds like it That's, could be a game changer. So it, it, it is. Just, just wash the smart. rice with salt water instead of regular water. Yeah, like literally chuck in some like. Coarse molding or something while you're while you're washing that. And good, good. That's a on a wash flex, salt? baby. Yeah, Woo, but that makes a lot of sense. Good. I mean, not unlike when you're like if you're trying to make like a little garlic puree, where you'll exactly. you'll chop the garlic and smash it down and sprinkle some salt on top and you use that as kind of like a coarse mm-hmm. sandpaper to help kind of yeah. dissolve. What? Break that it down. Just, like, I don't know why it, it keeps out. it so yeah. white though. Like there's something about it. But this it was this was from like a, a layer. Yeah, it does something. One of my all-time favorite <clears throat> cheap kitchen tools I've ever found, and I, I was probably googling for a rice maker, but I found a Japanese wash, uh, rice washer on Amazon, and it's like you've used it. It's like eight dollars, but it's basically like a colander that's just built for washing rice. So the bottom is a really fine sieve, but on the top it's almost got like a pour spout with the same fine sieve so you can oh, cool. wash the rice in it also kind of like scrape it against the bottom of the colander and then also pour the water out like you're digging and for gold because it's really I, I find to be like one of the easiest things to do is to skip washing rice and it makes such a big difference but it's such Let's an annoying up. process mm-hmm. i don't know it's an annoying I, process and it's a little wasteful with the water. Oh, that's so it, you get really like, especially in Southern California, you're just like, mm-hmm. yeah. that's a lot of water. Like, I'm going to make one cup of rice. I'm going to use seven gallons. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ten minutes later. It's like you're growing an almond or something. It's like you're growing a damn almond. And, that's, <laughs> and then you haven't even actually added the water to cook the no. rice in. Huh. And then think about working in a restaurant. I didn't oh, think yeah. about oh. that. I'm going to be like that now. I'm out in Southern it's California. really intense. The water. Yeah, what's it, it like makes being you across very the pond sad. where the water flows like wine? <laughs> Like this chilled Beaujolais that we have. Uh, yeah, this you is wish, a nice, I wish it was this is a nice one. But it's good. Yeah. What are we drinking here right now, Stewie? I don't even know. Italiano? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the lake. Shout out Silver Lake wine. It is nice, especially chilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, put, he, he, he incepted me with the chilled wine. Who? You. So Terrence did. Sorry. People can't tell that I'm pointing at Terrence. Uh, so what's yeah, Sterna di Asti? Yeah. That chilled red is, is one of my favorites in this heat. Yeah, man. I agree. Speaking, though, of soda like wine, I think Everson and Royce Bar 
on Sunday is having its one-year anniversary. Oh, wow. Free food. Get oh, out, really? Yeah, it's like six hours are doing free food and wine. Oh, that'd and be wine so drink dead slow there. At Rice Bar. Yeah. I've heard of... It's good. Not Rice Bar. Everson Rice. Everson Rice. Rice Bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, they started... Uh, it's, so it's Silverlake Wine, Pastina's, Everson Rice, which is the big version of Silverlake Wine, and then they open a bar... And, um, which are his kids' names, which I didn't realize. Yeah, Everson Rice. I right. we were on and that rice tip still. Do you know some wine store owning kids' names, yeah. if you ask me. Right? That yeah. place only opened. Emerson. That place Emerson, only Emerson, <laughs> stop it. Stop rice. Rice, I'm not going to tell you again. That place only opened because there was a holdup for the one that they're going to open up in Highland Park, which I'm really excited because that's adjacent to where I live. So in the time, it's just like, oh, this holding pattern because it takes so long to open a, a spot sometimes. It's been almost three years for them, it feels like. Right. That they're like, oh, we'll open up one in our district in the meantime. And then it's like, Phew, crushing. It's very good. I think it's one of the best burgers we've had in L.A., right? Totally agree. Yeah. Best biscuit in L.A. Oh, oh we've talked about that a, biscuit. Yeah, it's a fine one. pigtails? Yeah, you should really go on Sunday if you're still in town. Yeah, if you're a biscuit fan. Or all of the listeners. We have a nice little outdoor space in the back. It's not mm-hmm. just a bar. Mm-hmm. Very loungy. Yeah, you might run into Enretta. Mm-hmm. You ran into Ratajkowski there. I didn't like speak with her, but I've seen her there. It's nice. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm rat. I'm rat. Oh boy. What does she order? I ran. I ran into Whatever her at, uh, at Tony's bar across the street from there. Yeah. Oh, is that where it is? Down That's, that way. Yeah, it's it's right there, catty corner from Tony's and Pizza Nista. Yeah. And Tony's is solid. I've still what's, never been to Pizza Nista. Yeah, what's the vibe Pizza Nista is good. Why does everyone, it's very good. It's good. What about Except for Sal. Well, like, why is everyone so into Pizza Nista? Because it's yet, quality so. and there, aren't, there isn't a lot of great pizza by the slice in LA. And it's good. I've never, yeah, I think it's yeah. like a real nice blue collar pizza slice kind of place. But they, they put some care and love into it. And they mm-hmm. have cool, cool beers and, and stuff like that. They and, just have house beer, actually. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the one that's adjacent to Tony's, right? Yeah, I think they share a wall. No, they don't. But um, it's just good. Let's talk about your process with helping helping write a cookbook. Ah, uh, yes. How much work did you? How much work is that? Uh, Seems like a lot. It's a ridiculous amount of work. Mm-hmm. It was, and but super super interesting at the same time. But it was kind of ridiculous because the way that we did it, we. Um, I can tell you it's trials and tribulations. Yeah, I want I want to hear these tribs. I tell you what you shouldn't do ever first is get a book packager. What's hmm. number one tip? Okay, first, first question, what is a book packager? Book packager kind of acts even above an agent, and they come in and see talent and help package it all together to then get you the book deal. So they're pre the book deal. So, so they're the, a middle middleman. A grabbing hand? So a a middle middle hand, an evil middle middle hand. Are they kind of known as the slam balls of the literary world? I didn't. Okay, so even though like I worked in publishing and stuff before, this was the first ever time I worked to do a book. And basically... My, we did the pilot. I wrote, produced that, but for the cookbook deal, that was kind of it was just floating about. Someone mm-hmm. approached um, Dante, a book publisher, a book packager, did it all. BP went and got you that deal. They smelled blood in the water. But guess mm-hmm. what their deal was? Ooh. They take fifty percent. Oh, fifty. Fifty percent of the fee. Feed it out. Mm. Oh, really? And then as soon as they get it and get you the deal, they, they step away. They disappear. Yeah, they've got no, they're not helping at all. Exactly. They we say, didn't know what we were You're doing. welcome. It's just for, yeah. Oh, so they get you the deal. God. They 100% get you the deal. And we were, we were actually got a deal with Sterling Epicure, which is like 
a super kind of old school it's, it wasn't the right place for us but it's an old school publisher that puts out Gordon Ramsay books normally like yes, just far. stayed up mm. books yeah, we you're more of a ones. 10 speed press type of we hope well, now I know but yeah so that, on that paper damn sorry an, an exhilarating deal and offer on the table hard to say no to wow they just they exactly just set it up and walk away with half exactly so, so you get that first. So that's the first do. bit. The second bit is just working with an editor on the other side, which is really interesting. But also, I think, arguably, when we were also doing it, a lot of this kind of younger, cooler, interesting, art-inspired book, cookbooks weren't the norm. Right. So we had to follow True. a lot of rules. And that was also just really weird. So little things for that would be like, well... They're the rules that matter that we just didn't know about that actually are the, what makes it a really fucking hard process. Like a recipe editor, they would come in and I guess because we were the small little thing, we wouldn't get our hands held through it. We were kind of told what to do and then just left and then had to kind of do it. So if you haven't ever edited a recipe properly, we, we thought we could give the recipes and their editor would do it. They, would, they wouldn't. They would just come in and tell you what was wrong with yours and you'd have to figure out how to redo everything. Mm. Um, so that was the first one and that kind of stuff but that was cool because you know that's the way it's got to be done but we were at this point where literally say for the cover we went in and we worked with these amazing creative directors who, uh, who were partners in Dante who have been there since the beginning like they created that aesthetic the truck that you saw around they did everything um, and they're all professional you know they run amazing design studios mm-hmm. we were literally offered three options you could either have this option A chef holding food option B no chef, title only, or option C, some meatpacking paper or something equally as, you know, trite. So keys to the kingdom. Whatever you wanted, you could have. Yeah. The exact opposite. I was just kidding. That's, no. That sounds Dang, like an man. absolute nightmare. So there was that first. And then because what was crazy was the ideas of stuff. So I, I, I just think it was, you know, it's like a label. You were just on the wrong home. So we put in all our stuff. So Dante, the whole idea of the book was without going to get into serious, but, you know, this was way, this was quite a few years ago and it was all about fried chicken. Well, he's called Dante Fried Chicken. But what we tried to create was this idea of say, social anthropology and food history and be really inspired by the movement of food from Africa because it's, he has a really interesting story. His grandfather's like Jimmy Forrest, the jazz musician. His grandmother was one of the first um, black ladies in the South to create kind of a social club. You know, it was, mm. it was really interesting. We wanted mm. to tell these stories. Carrying the torch. They, yeah, which is basically, you know, in a weird way, that's what every single discussion about ethnic food is now, is all about these kind of ideas about identity and where you're coming from and everything, which we try to talk about. And that arguably got kind of pushed out. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so frustrating. Yeah. And even down to the titles of, you know, at the time it was like kind of rap inspired or whatever, but we had these kind of titles for, for dishes and they came in and just killed them all. And we're like, no, it has to be more normal. It has to be this. Which we were like, all right, well, we'll take your... You know, you guys, you guys know pros. what's up. So, what yeah. So it's hard. But we got on, you know, also we launched it. We got on Oprah for like the best fried chicken, you know, little segment. Oh, wow. That's small time. Which is dope. Wow. And then that was it. And then they, they hosted one dinner for press and then they just disappeared. Oh. God, you think they would just take the Oprah and run? You'd, if you're a so. book publisher, that's what she does is she breaks books for God's sake specifically. Well, the, the frustrating thing too from the, the takeaway to me from that story is that they want to kill the cultural anthropology aspect, the, the idea that makes it interesting, unique, and also pushes it beyond a cookbook without being mutually exclusive from making the cookbook less accessible. So yeah. you've got the story that is really interesting and, and inviting and makes you appreciate so much more than just the food on its face, and they're telling you, dumb that down, 
So it's not only like we know this is a good idea, but you're also saying it's not important. Yeah, exactly. which is like just literally yeah. offensive and on its know, face. You know how gung ho you go in when you go into something like this, and we thought, you know, without kind of overaching it, but we thought we could kind of change things a bit. Like let's go in yeah. and talk about black culture, talk about it within an interesting but way, and it kind of just got. So why wouldn't you? Like, why would yeah. you be like, no, let's not do that. Let's not do something interesting. Meanwhile, also yeah. having a great cookbook. Why would you somehow tell yourself or tell somebody else who's doing that, no, don't do that? It's like, mm. it's just so counterintuitive yeah. to making something compelling. It's kind of wild. But it's also, the, the, the flip was, it was obviously a really fucking amazing experience to still do it. And yeah. going back to what Jason, what you were saying, like the idea of how you did it, I approached it basically like a massive interview. So we built out all the right. chapters, all like a magazine. And then I basically spent hours Skyping with Dante, would tra- transcribe everything and rewrite it in his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, which is how I quote unquote ghost wrote the book right. but also these things like we didn't know so we didn't sign the right contracts so my name is on, on the cover because of contractually it wasn't allowed to be on the cover but if you open it as soon as the second page it says written by Terence Tate mm-hmm. but little things like this like I didn't know we, we went into it blind well it's how funny you know you're that? saying what a learning experience it was just hearing you talk about it for the last 10 minutes I feel like I've learned so much I had no idea yeah, about loads. the process of writing cookbooks I tell you the one thing that is pretty interesting was you know a sad story but Dante's mother was really sick throughout making it and so it's dedicated to her and she passed away during making this book and so Dante just went AWOL like he was just like and obviously understandable but we had to finish the 100%, book 100% of course so I had to literally sit down and write in this way that I was actually I wasn't even taking his words and helping rewrite them basically editing them I had to just you were doing an impression scratch. of him I was doing an impression of him and it was this chapter about smoking and barbecue and I have no <laughs> I, at the t- well no I learned a lot put it in the air <laughs> <laughs> just the tip <laughs> and it's uh yeah so i had to talk about and it was it was kind of amazing because i literally had to think about remembering the first time when we flew dante over to do an event and he was like i want to um barbecue and we in britain barbecuing is not barbecuing we it's like literally putting some sausages on the grill so we ordered all mm. these barbecues for this event like as in quote unquote grills and he mm. turned up and he was like what the fuck is this where's the smoker <laughs> where's the smoker why where's am i this? surrounded by a bunch of webbers right now yeah wh- where aren't the webbers and so yeah. what was good was i learned a ton of shit from that and so i had to recreate that chapter from pretending to be Dante or from dante's point of view Mm-hmm. Amazing. But I the will... one good thing about doing all those events is literally my entire backyard was then in the end full of no shit. We had a, what like five Webbers, uh, <laughs> industrial rice cookers, and just everything. Nice. That's awesome. Which I just just gave away. How, so. how that... much of it do you feel like? I mean, obviously now in 2016, the world of cookbooks and food media is so much more loose and open and and liberal with exploring new shit. Like, Jeez, is it man. frustrating seeing? Your idea just being a few years a little too early? Uh, nah, I'm, I'm super cool with it. I was mm-hmm. like, hopefully, it's vindicated. Obviously, it's a degree. shame, but you know, mm-hmm. the book is it's still real. It's out there. It's just, you know, it's in the bookstores. It's, I guess, it's just, yeah, we're just a little bit too early. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. It's, it's fine. You know, a funnier one on another story is, which we could even talk about this on this, is uh, my girlfriend who then has her own cookbook. Oh, yeah. With uh, a little project that we started together. But I'm chill with that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, shout outs to that. I would, we don't need it. The we funny thing about, about... We didn't give that book a plug. Nope. <laughs> to, uh, 
to me, the <laughs> idea of writing a recipe, I, I only did, I've only done it once. Actually, like really, really writing down a recipe for publication. It was like just a blog, asked a friend and I to do something. And I just said, sure. And then I started writing the recipe and I was like, this is so hard. Yeah. This is not like quarter cup blank, quarter cup blank, quarter cup blank. It's really like really defining every physical action from start to yeah, finish. Really I was blown it's away. An interesting exercise. Yeah, pull I, out the eggs. It's like I thought it was going to take me steps. ten minutes in an email, yeah, yeah, and like exactly. six hours later, I looked up and I was like, "Oh, still needs a polish." <laughs> I mean, it should take days, really. You know, it'd be funny to it dig out like uh, <laughs> what they gave us as their kind of guidelines of how you've got to do it because it was very obviously it's got to be done, it's got to be functional. But there is one massive type in the Dante book which no one caught which was making hot sauce and it was supposed to be like a teaspoon or a tablespoon of sugar and it says a cup of sugar <gasps> so who knows if oh. anyone's actually done that and if it's oh, fucked up no. I, I always wonder about a that a lot too. of it that's a lot I usually yeah. cut a teaspoon to a cup it's a, I usually cut sugar at least in half in almost every <laughs> recipe nightmare. I make and then I'll finish with yeah. the rest if I really think it needs that much but just my my palate in general I don't eat sweets I don't eat desserts usually unless they're you know someone's like you gotta try this Mm-hmm. But like every time I look at a recipe and it says like cup of sugar, half cup of sugar, I'm like, nope, yeah. doesn't need that much. I'll, and if it does, I'll finish with it because sugar is one of those things where you can always finish a sauce with sugar. Yeah, totally. like it's not something that needs to start as a base. It doesn't really help anything else out. And if yeah. anything, it's going to burn the earlier it goes in. But like yeah. to me, it's always like pro tip if you're kind of suspicious about how sweet something's going to be do half and then finish yeah mm-hmm. I, I found that a lot with even doing this cookbook or even the stuff that i was doing afterwards when we were like doing like vegan kimchi and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff and obviously when you start you base your stuff off other things out there of shout course. out to the momofuku kimchi as you build. recipe ah. right <laughs> but then you realize like say so the momofuku kimchi recipe if you go through it i think it asks for something like 20 cloves of garlic and that could be og korean grandmother style right mm. But arguably, not everyone has to do it with. Tw- you can. We did Hell it with like no. four, and it's fine. It's differentiating mm-hmm. flavors with garlic. It's like hit and miss. Yeah, yeah you never know. It's gonna mellow as it ferments, but it's still a lot. That's yeah. a lot of fucking garlic. Yeah. And then there's a point where you're like, I'm making kimchi, and it calls for 20 cloves of garlic, and then you're like. Blind taste test, like this one has 10, this one has 30 cloves. Yeah. This one has 20. Can you tell the difference? Hardly. I don't even know if David Chang could tell the difference. I think every single kimchi recipe needs to start with buy a pair of disposable gloves. Yeah. Almost, like if, yeah. Just don't ever. Don't, don't buy a do pair, by buy hand. a box. <laughs> I, stained, I stained my hands red for four days making kimchi once, not realizing mm-hmm. that it really helps. To well, my use friend, um, a friend of mine, he was, he was a line cook at, at Pot. Um, Roy Choi spot, sure. And he would have to make oh, yeah. industrial amounts of of it. And he he showed me a picture of him making kimchi in a plastic Rubbermaid garbage can. And he would wear black rubber gloves. Yeah, up to the shoulder, right, or up to the up to the shoulder, elbow, or, duct yeah, tape yeah. wrapped around it up to his shoulder. Oh, it's so gnarly. And just like, oh, you're the tallest guy here. You have the longest arms, so you're the one who just. Both arms up to your armpit in a in a garbage can. He looked just, like he was a stand-in for Breaking Bad, but you're like, nice yeah, biohazard yeah, I mean, suit. He, he looked like a coroner. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you're, you're like, oh, you get to do the worst job here. By the way, he's like, can I just can I clean up the vomit in the bathroom and say like, no, 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 you get to toss the. Does anybody in the have any can. explosive diarrhea I could go clean <laughs> no. up? Because uh, okay, no. guy from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? Oh exactly. uh, yeah, <laughs> please, please, no. Dude, he's, that's he's my go-to. That's my exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, that's I'm my trying to bring these go-to. Los Angeles, you know, 
joke reference points. Oh, sort of animated little, film noir, no big deal. Little Paramount or Universal, wherever that thing was shown. We all remember that. Uh, Universal. Uh, where'd you go to dinner last night, homie? Mr. Tay? We went to um, He's Looking at You in K-Town. Give it up. I've heard some things. What'd you think? Give it up. <laughs> Give it up. That's the tagline right there. <laughs> Sorry. A, don't know about the name personally, but some people like it, some people don't. I'm down, you know. I would say I, I think I'm a not my favorite bit. name. Yeah, I'm, but I'm, not, I'm don't hate it. I've heard good things about that spot. What have you heard? I can. I just heard it was like an interesting little place that's doing. Are they doing prefix menus in Koreatown, or is no, it like sort of like that? They're trying to do. Well, they're looking to break up that idea of um, Koreatown. Like, I think basically, this is that kind of Yelp blurb or whatever. But it comes down to that fact of Koreatown was where back in the day you could kind of roll around and have fun. It wasn't just to have easy low you know that that whole argument about why does ethnic food cost so why is it always so cheap and if you go to mm. korea town is everyone just expecting a cheap meal etc mm-hmm. etc so i think they really wanted to inject that in korea so this is what i heard anyway with kind of a more a asian inspired korean inspired but not a korean restaurant and they're saying that out front and also up it a little bit like get people spending a bit more money have a you know have it arguably new american Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. his. I, I saw on the most recent chefs night out. It was Jessica from Squirrel and her whole crew. They went there on the day one, which it was. And Ari was on there too. Ari from. Um, yeah, give him a month. Don't go yeah, day was one. Yeah, that was really really funny. Give him a couple months because Ari called out Jessica for doing that, and I honestly see both sides because that's. I mean, if you kill it, like that's great. But then, if you're Ari's point of view, it's like that sounds so stressful and like the worst day. Mm-hmm. But the chef was like cool as a cucumber, so confident. Mm-hmm. He explained his whole dishes. Like, he, no, what do you it, say about it? It worked out his favorite. Yeah, he said, What's up? Um, right. But yeah, he said is it was your, spe- specifically like SoCal inspired food, not even like New America, you know, just like just a kid growing up in South Orange County. Oh, is that what With from? Mexican heritage. So there's like some Mexican notes and then like, you know, SoCal Mexican. You know, dining like yeah. homages and nods, and the space looked really pretty. Andy's ex-animal, well, both of them are. Yeah, that's right. Him, mm-hmm. the ops manager. Exactly. Was it was it just a regular dinner, or was it like a special thing that you went to? It was a fun. It was a regular dinner, but it was kind of like a fun uh, regular dinner club dinner. Oh wow! What does that mean? A bunch of cool dudes have a monthly dinner. So. Oh, oh so heavy. it's like so Roy Choi. That was Roy. Who else? Um, there was Big R. Big R was in the building for he, sure. Was Bourdain there? Title King. Uh, he wasn't there, unfortunately. Dan mm. the Automator. Okay. Who's known for his undercover love? Was of David food. Cho there? No, no. David Cho wasn't. I expected him to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Omid Fatimi. Oh, the God. Okay. Film God. So it's just a bunch of cool dudes. Adam from Stussy. Mm-hmm. Adam Wiseman. Yeah. A, it's King. My guy, um, my guy. Eddie Cruz. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was nice fun. Terry Cruz there. Nice fella. <laughs> no? Okay. Should have been. I think he was sitting how, how at the bar. You, so how did you get on this list, dog? Must be nice. It's a saying. I like, had a little, you know, just a little hang. What was the best <laughs> thing you ate there? Yeah, give it, yeah, let's talk about the foods. Okay, yeah. So the place itself, I think, is... A, there's the Morrissey Supreme poster framed. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit weird. Okay. It's a little, it's a little, a little, a little too street wary. It's a little on the nose. It's a little on the nose. The chef came mm-hmm. out and he was obviously he was an incredible dude. The service was insane. Um, mm-hmm. 
but he was really like oh yo i worked opposite supreme for all these years so that's why this is there. little homage to that which is cool like hats off i don't think he underst- i don't think he got that eddie cruz was sitting in front of him because eddie was just ripping it out of him for a little while and i, mm-hmm. I think he just thought it was just being obnoxious <laughs> <laughs> but um that was a really fun dinner it was ripping a really it good out of him is a good really good, good bunch phrase. of dudes like so everyone's just you know they they did that thing where they just obviously serve up the entire menu yeah, of course right you got you get it. treated like <laughs> damn kings when you show up you just you eat like kings and it one one of those where i think you just feel a bit like first world problems when i literally carried home five boxes of like extra and what that i ate cold for lunch which was fine but i would say their tartar is on point i think their tartar is actually really good i know that's one of those yeah i would say a lot of their stuff is kind of it's almost there but it's and I think I said this to someone and they straight away went, well, he's from Animal, but I don't actually think that should be the way you you say that. Like they do a, a duck, kind of like a roast duck that they chop up and then you, you serve it with hot sauces and arepas. Mm. But I'm like, that's literally, it's like a, an aioli as well. So it's like fat on fat on fat on a greasy yeah. arepa. I was like, this is just too much. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not even like dope, fun, stoner like Moorish it's right, just right, too right. Yeah, that's yeah. literally it's beyond fat on fat on fat well you also can't you, you don't have the option in that dish to choose how much you want to consume right yeah. like the like if you get a really beautiful pork chop with a huge like fat heavy side you can choose and if it's aged and it's cooked well you can choose how much fat you want to eat and it's rendered and it's delicious yeah. and it's beautiful but you, if you're going to take a bite of that dish, your only option is fat on fat. Yeah, like and, it, and it looks and amazing. You know, that's not the way. But yeah, that I one love was, to eat. Yeah, that like one was a little be bit a little much. choosy. That's K Town, baby. Yeah, well, that's the thing, then. I felt, I felt punch the in the face. Yeah, um, there was. It was what? like classics. It was kind of like sharing stuff. Was uh, their tartar um, a standard one or anything unique about their it? Their tartar had some extra. It had either a bit of miso, a bit of something else in there. But I think we're in that place where tartars, they just should be fucking outstanding however much you fuck with it right. and yeah, i feel yeah. that toast we would just take well there's toast on the side you could have it i kind of actually like to go in sans toast and just a little bit mm-hmm. it's a nice spoon you go, you do a i paleo? start yeah. i start sans toast but like fourth bite fifth bite yeah you need a bit po- yeah. toast starts to come in a little for me for me this is a good segue to this other tata that we were talking about with me and chris just now oh, which is a terrible tata oh that's a bummer the cannibal tata but really? what else was fantastic though well, actually, yeah, tell, what else? That, um, what was what was bad about the tartare? Which one are we talking about? The cannibal tartare. Yeah, the not, cannibal. Not the not the chicken liver mousse. The tartare. Yeah, the tartare. I haven't had the tartare. Well, the tartare sounds dope, but it's served on. Uh, it's like obviously soft, warm, pseudo warm meat served on a blini, served with hollandaise. So it's like soft and soft and soft mm-hmm. and it just was a bit and it served as a little bite rather than like a really i don't know uh, to rather me like the scoop, you, you kind of want the the tartare to be scooped onto a real crunchy yeah, you want that hard scrape the roof of your mouth bread so you get that nice contrast of mush yeah. and crunch. or just it felt like everything was so rounded that it was a little bit inoffensive it was just too not just Safe on safe on safe. Inoffensive. I like that. Too many notes were Wasn't played. Too many notes weren't played. Exactly. Mm. Um, but going back to yeah, that no dynamic range. Good. There was it was only it was only mid to lows. <laughs> <laughs> in, so, in in terms of their other, they 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 kind of got beat up a lot. Also, the the cannibal people are friends of mine, so it's a little weird. But 
They got, yeah, but he's got nothing but that when we had things? this tech conversation, sorry, text message conversation, he was like freaking out at what a great little like one hour happy hour vibe he got okay. going on there. Happy hour was amazing. The so last night before I actually went to this dinner, I was out in Culver City. I had a couple of hours to kill, so I actually worked from um Cannibal and managed to like hit that happy hour and that's fucking amazing. Had a cheeky old fashioned for five. I had two old fashioned. Alright then. And I had a a drafty. I had two of those, and then I went in with their free little charcuterie um, buffet, which that's is fucking nuts. amazing. Wait, what? It's free. That's what I'm saying. This is why we're going to talk about this thing. This is nuts. I, I experienced it on Saturday. Dude. I went in there, and it's basically... They have a happy hour charcuterie situation yeah. they just, going they on? They set up like, kind of like a six-foot plank of wood, and it's just like, here's a big pile of shaved mortadelle. Here's a big pile of It's like salami, Tam-O-Shanton or something. Whatever yeah, it is, and you just grab a couple flaps with a toothpick. and I instantly pictured can... myself as Dan Aykroyd from Trading Places in the Santa costume, <laughs> stealing the entire smoked salmon in his belt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you just not go in there with a big purse and just scoop the entire thing into a bag and be like... Thanks for the five dollar fashion. Gotta go. They but got the cameras. thing is, also, like, is there security you, standing around the charcuterie buffet? Sorry, it's not, so wait, I you think that, that Jason's like saying there's, there's toothpicks. That makes it sound like you're at one of those no, uh, freebie tasters. Yeah, it's not dainty. It's not dainty. They give you plates and real cutlery, like <sighs> pre nine eleven cutlery. You can go in. <laughs> this is pre nine eleven cutlery. Like you, well, it's a it's a happy hour where you think so. Oh, everybody maybe gets I'll a box cutter a, as soon as they walk in. Is that what you're trying to tell me? cutlery real plates and you can just go in on there and also the uh and and instead of just having like a little day old toasted baguette there's like a bowl with like like full pieces of bread like beautiful yeah beautiful bread and then they i guess they do something kind of new each time so yesterday's one which was a shout out to to jimmy jolliffe it was basically a country ham Kind of marmalade that they made, really, and oh. that was just sitting there, like a spread for toast, like a, or like a like, country yeah, yeah, ham, like, yeah, yeah. meat spread, country like a ch- ham, like chopped ham, ham. A little chopped ham, Damn. something it's, like that, in insane. that vein where it's like meant to be. Sp- yeah, it's a and they spread. were super nice. They were like really good. You know, I was there. Like, I guess it was a happy hour. Everyone wanted to drink. I had to finish some work. I was the only one there, fucking with a laptop out. Mm-hmm. And they were super cordial and actually made me not feel like a dick. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's and then I was there. I popped in a little bit earlier and just even tried their salad bar. What are you talking about? A salad bar? Salad bar? By on in the charcuterie bit by by you know, on their normal hours they mm-hmm. have like couple carts and salads and stuff just to take away. Oh okay. uh, like a New York like a New York style takeaway. Yeah. So they've got yeah. Yeah. and they gave yeah, me yeah. a little slice of roast beef for free, mm-hmm. little taster. I was very impressed. Did you try the, the chicken liver pate or the chicken liver mousse? Do they still serve that though? That was, was that just at our dinner? Is that, is that the one that on got rinsed? By, it's on the by menu and, it, and, and it's with infam- matcha. Yeah, it's infamously hated on by everyone. Is it infam- like beyond me and you? Because we were like we still we there? did that dinner there and everything was really good except for one that well, was like such a miss that it was like like did, I just assumed the night it. that we ate it they something went wrong. Like somebody fell asleep and like they, they followed the cookbook and they put a somebody cup of sugar instead of a yes. instead of a People tablespoon constantly of sugar. Sleep at restaurants. They put a cup of matcha instead of a tablespoon. Hun- I mean, that's, I just wow. assume that that's what happened. That's funny. Well, no, they there. I think there was an Eater article talking about like various sh- like restaurant reviewers being like, "What in the world are we eating? Like we we have this chicken liver mousse, and then you add this green tea matcha powder to it." Which is like a interesting bold choice, but it turns it from like 
uh, usually it like becomes a becomes very bitter and it overpowers any of the subtleness of anything in the pate like it's really bizarre and then uh superficially it turns it from like a nice appetizing pink color to like kind of a baby shit green i don't mind the slimer green it's fine. I'm, I'm fine with remind. that. I'm just I, like, I can't I just, handle foul colors with my food. I'm so okay with colors. <laughs> no. I, 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 no, they don't bother me at all. It has to be a really dimly lit restaurant for me to be okay. <laughs> I swear, I really can't hang. I'm a, but I, then I, I, I had, he, he made a smoked brisket sandwich on a Martin's potato roll with, oh my God. with uh, Super Carolina mustard, barbecue sauce, and coleslaw. And I was, You're back, baby. I was in heaven. He never left. To me, it was like that was just a missed dish. <laughs> to me, I mean, there there were like seven or eight things that we ate that night, and only one wasn't good, and most were actually like. But I kind you of know, applaud them for, despite all of the flack that they've received on this baby shit chicken liver mousse, that nope. they still kept it on the menu. No, nope. yeah, no, nope. I don't, no, I, don't ride, I don't ride for that at all. I if think, I'm on, let's see how long it, how long, how long do you think it's going to stay? I have no idea, but if I'm on date night. And that is occupying part of my uh, economic real estate for the evening. And I get that. And I'm just like, oh, you guys just did that to spite everybody else telling you how horrible it is. And I'm be like, dick move. Dick move. <laughs> Interesting. Like if it just gets chosen and you're just like, it's like those when you're on a date and they're like, mm, don't share. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, pate is a classic opener. It's one of my favorite things in the universe. It's the best. You can graze on it. You get those, the, the yeah, it can hang for the whole it. meal. Yeah, it can linger yeah. the almost the duration. It's great. Like you can throw it in the past. I was like, whoa, what's this all about? This is nice. Especially, I always think of Alimento when I think of the oh, pate. Well, that's and the bread that you get. You with just it, jump into the Cadillac, homie. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that pate is a great, and the bread that comes with it is a great vessel for everything you're going to eat that yeah. whole night. Any sauce, like ooh, a little bit, ooh, there's a little pate, and it's like it's just like ooh. So are, like, you, are, are you a smooth or coarse man, Chris? Oh, they're not to me. They're not mutually exclusive, but I want to hear your I like answer. Both. I, I like both. I definitely like both, but I prefer smooth. I prefer smooth. I like that French country. I like Danielle that. Well, I, th- I think with, yeah. with chicken, but I chicken liver, smooth. I like it smooth. With pork liver, like a country pate, yeah. I like it more rustic and chunky. So pork chunk, <laughs> chicken smooth. And do you mind when they whip in a little a little dairy in there? I'm okay with that. No, yeah. I don't mind at all. If it's good, I don't. I'm totally if it works, it works. Dairy meaning <laughs> just clarified butter, a little heavy cream. No, or more when they go a bit creamy. More of a yeah. cream. I like it when because it's always got to have that butter. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I, I'm 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 more of a just heaps of butter is good. Yeah, I don't cool think we it. need to add cream to it. I'm okay it. with yeah, the cream. Too. I mean, it does. It it's... cuts the the metallic taste slightly depending on like what the batch is yeah, like and what you have. I don't. I don't mind that. Where so in LA iterations. is there? So you know, in like in New York, you've got those classic French restaurants yeah. that kind of just do that kind of thing like incredibly well. Where in LA has that? Where would you go for that? Petit Trois. Petit Trois. Comsat used to do it pretty well. Is Petit Trois still as what as good as what? I imagine it's a bit. Petit Trois is exceptional. I love it. Depending on what you get. It's also very understated in in how, I think, how lauded it is. The experience of being inside is not precious in a good way. It's a bistro, yeah. Yeah, it really feels like... You're just you just walked out of a hotel in Paris and you don't know where to eat. You go downstairs. And like, oh, there's a lot of brass and tile. I guess we should eat there. It's really nice. And it, it's to cool. Me. No reservations. You wait. You have a drink. The drinks are great. They're they're you know, you know nobody's like trying to. What part of what part of town is it? Oh, it's like Caddy Corner from Hollywood. Moza. Yeah, right it's, it's Moza. like it's yeah. in the belly of the food beast, or one of the food beasts, one of fifteen food beasts in the you city. You haven't had the omelet there. 
the bossa omelet. Mm-hmm. Omelet. I haven't had that or the tartar. The burger. Burger. Uh, chicken confit. Fried chicken that's confit is great. I say for a man of your exceptional palate, escargot. The omelet is the only thing you should really go for. No way. Escargot is great. It's like escargot great. Is okay. I think it's like French comfort food. But Very much so. Well executed. Yeah, yeah, but the problem is French comfort food means a pound of butter. I mean, like, the escargot... That's why I never eat French The escargot is day. great, and it just, it's so much butter. It's great. What's the jump up between Petit yeah, so, Soir and well, Toilette? So it's just eating a plate of bacon, but you don't want to do it. That's not true. What's the step up, or what's the difference? What's the difference? Well, it's... it's Petit Soir... Tormek is just tasting, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and adventurous. Tormek is a super experimental prefix tasting menu, and then Petit Trois is just classic French bistro, no frills, just straight which away. Is, which is adhering very much to not trying to experiment or play with the idea of a French bistro. It mm-hmm. is literally like if you took a slice out of a Pixar oh, movie Paris. of what a French mm-hmm. bistro looks like, that's what it Steak is. Steak au pois with frites. In a great way. Like you that. mentioned, it doesn't really, it's not ubiquitous. It doesn't really exist in L.A. It's not part of L.A.'s food culture. I mean, Tex is a, it's like the divey French spot I in Echo Park, like, and I, I love it. We got the moule frites. It was really good, good, man. Their good. burger is, is great. I, I ordered good. so badly there. Oh, what would you do? I kind of rolled, tried Seems to roll with a too. girl. You went for the chill. jambalaya linguine? I went for the anchovies. You know, they're going to have a little no, smoked fish. It's going to be kind of... And it, mm. it turned up with alternating layers of salty fish and apple. Oh, no. Ooh. No, you got to go. Salad, burger, moule frites, something, anything involving French fries onion? there. Yeah, the French, French onion soup is good. Very good. Great happy hour. One of the better places to watch a Dodger game in LA. Agreed. 100%. 100%. That's the problem. There's just so many restaurants in this world where... If you don't know the right thing to order, you're going to have a horrible experience. It's 100% which is true. Un- unfortunate because you shouldn't have horrible shit on your menu. Yeah, the exactly. menu's too big, that's for sure. But it's it, they've gotten better. They've scaled it back. I mean, I've been going there for years because I happen to live like so close to it. And the bar. What do you great. say, Thai, Thai, Tex. Tex, Tex, I believe. I think like yeah, Tex, like like, like, like Texman. Yeah, I say wh- I however T-E-X. you say it. It's yeah. annoying. I agree. <laughs> so, but I want to know a little bit more about. So, you're doing a, f- a food film festival. Yeah, I like that. Uh, yes, and it's it's your test of case going in, into New York, or is it open to the public? Or yeah, so it, it's the first one, not really open to the public in that way. So, we want to do a off the back of doing all this different stuff, and it kind of started with that idea of food film being represented in a really weird way online and just stuff that I wasn't really into kind of what Jason was talking about before about like it's all you know the same thing and it's all getting really boring Um, and so I started a magazine you know digital magazine so videos and all that and um, we wanted to basically create this thing that was just an alternative to all the other food media at the time and like kind of harking back it was kind of when I was in that very much um Power Ranger, fuck place magazines like Kinfolk, like fuck this idea of an aspirational white lifestyle that didn't right that mm-hmm. had nothing to do with food. I'm really Man. tired of seeing bundled sticks placed on top of a nice hundred <laughs> percent. And what is every, pastels, pastels, pastels? And every shot, you know, all the photography looks exactly the same, and all the stuff, all this idea of like, oh, the other flip has to be if you're talking about ethnic people, it has to be about community, and it's yep. like, yo. <laughs> We're going to give back to these Ugandans. Exactly. And the fucking, yeah, the state of science Senegal is 
pop him. <laughs> we want to bring that back. And so I was just, I just tried to create something that, uh, with a couple of people that was a little bit different from that. And then basically fast forward a few years and the idea was like turn it into a food film festival because A, on that again, we, let's just open it all up. No one can make money online mm-hmm. except if you're vice, but then all your money is only because of investment. Like <laughs> no one makes money online. Yeah, it's just fronted it's, really, it's, I guess. It's yeah. Right. yeah, you can't make money. So I was trying to do it as a publication, like a digital publication. And when we first launched, we got loads of commercial projects. So um, Patron and Mercedes to do food shit and all this kind of stuff. And then smart I was like, this is it. like, it was smart, but at the same time, it just felt like I was wasting my time trying to, put the money in i was like how do you do something a bit different and i still don't think there's a film festival out there that caters to everyone say who's sitting around this table like there's all there's a place where you can probably see jonathan gold's doc open at sundance or something but there's no thing about smaller just great films and especially that idea of having interesting food stories that aren't tied into like a theme or they're not it's not you know it's not shoehorned in on the backside right. of something but if you take city of gold out of the conversation about food documentaries and you kind of remove um, Chef's Table. Like, if you take Netflix out of it, it's like the Jonathan Gold documentary is the only of its kind to be on a screen in, I don't know when, mm-hmm. 20 years? Yeah. I can't name another 100%. one. So to say, say like, it's, it's ubiquitous because it's, I think it's very good and it's, you know, we've it's talked so about on the show. I think it's very good, but mm-hmm. it's also... There's so much. There's so much more space for similar things. Like it's crazy. Yeah, tons. But I just wanted to say that because it's like to me, you're like, oh, you can see the Jonathan Gold document, but like, yeah, that's the only one you can see. Yeah, exactly. Do one on Alice Waters. There's yeah, a million, dude. Please. Like it's just endless. Oh god, it's such a simple yeah. format. But not but, simple. But also, much like you were saying, it's hard to make money on online yes. in content. Some might argue the same about documentary filmmaking. 100%. Like, the idea would be that if this thing grows, you put money back into this. But on a black and white level, I thought, hey, why don't you create something that you can just sell hard tickets to? And at least we can have this business going. And at mm-hmm. least we can create something and support your friends. You will just find out very hard quickly, tickets. is there an audience or is there not an audience? Exactly. And, and it's, it's cool. And we're starting off in, on October the 11th in New York. Neuer House out there is really, you know, graciously supporting. But it's also the idea of they've got a really beautiful screening room. Yep. We've got Gerardo from Lalo, ex um, El Rey, doing vegan chicharrones as like the snacks instead of uh, popcorn. And it's just kind of like, we're just going to keep it fun. Let's talk about what a vegan chicharrone is. <laughs> yes. I think that was the spin in so that we got the members club to sign off on it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just those taco locos. Oh. Everyone's this, been doing, right? Mm-hmm. This is so funny. Can you explain that to somebody who might not be aware of this? This was my favorite thing I ate this week. Yeah, I want to hear from you because I have it through a Well, non- that's good because we're what? approaching the part of our show where we talk about the best thing we ate all week. So dang why near, you, dang why near. Why don't you hit that, Andre? Uh, well, that was, a, that was a smash cut. That was a hard cut into our favorite segment. <laughs> um, so Toasty Locos is a uh, Mexican Chicano treat, definitely like very prevalent on the east side of L.A. Um, I was working in Boyle Heights. We were filming in... And our the our our hero was born and raised in Boyle Heights, and it was it was a short doc about him, and and he made this website called Fruitly, which is twofold. It maps all the public fruit trees and vegetables growing 
in neighborhoods, and then it also connects people if they want to trade food, like if they're growing stuff in their backyard and they've got too many tomatoes and they can't can them. You can so it's grinding really, for fruit. Really interesting guy. <laughs> really like very motivating, exciting guy. But I was like, "Where's the best to- toasty locos?" And before I could finish my sentence, he was just like, "Follow me." And we went down into Mariachi Square, and it was it was magnificent. But so Tosti Locos are basically you take any kind of corn chip, Tostitos, whatever you know, whatever you want, uh, split it open, dump in an ungodly and beautiful amount of hot sauce. You add Mexican peanuts, mango, cucumber, jicama. Dang. Um, what else is in there? Some cheese. And then pickled pig skin, so the opposite of chicharrones, mm-hmm. which is basically that same skin that you would fry, and instead it gets pickled, and it gets all dumped in that. And that bag is split open like a plate, and then a fork, like a Frito pie, yeah. And a fork is just shoved in it and pushed in front of you. And it, I mean, it was just like it was one of those times where I had zero guilt eating it, even knowing that it was maybe the worst thing I'd eaten in an entire month. <laughs> I was like, well, I just don't have this every day, and it was so much fun. Okay, and it was great. I've never had that before. Oh, it's so good. I've never, I've never toasted. But you have to. I mean, the, all the all the profile of it. There's no sweet. Mm-hmm. So the entire profile is vinegar. It's acid. You know, it's hot sauce. It's pickles. It's salt. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's a very specific profile that is like literally ham fisted right at me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, those are all the things that I really like. That sounds great. I'm trying to find the what this what the version that he's going to do is. I'm sure it's going to be great. I, I mean, this is the concept of it. I mean, it's like a different Frito pie, and Frito pie is fantastic too. It's really good. So, you know, I love that idea of just like taking open a bag of chips and using that as your palate and just going wild. Hitting it with a dump. Because it. <laughs> I, had well, a, I had a bugle for the first time. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Big fan of the bugles across the table here in the yellow Patagonia. I enjoy crunchy. a bugle. Was, my mind was blown. They're pretty good. Actually, fantastic. That a, was that a bugle pun that you just dropped right now? <laughs> <laughs> They're also totally blown. unique. There is no other chip that resembles a bugle in the universe, that, or at least that I've come across. You can't even it's call it a chip? No. It's a damn snack. It's a unicorn of the snack world. It is. It's a, it's a crisp. Know, it's like a salty miniature ice cream cone. And they make them in nacho, and they do a sweet salt version. They do like a caramel corn version yeah, of a it's like the. I think it's that amazing, weirdly American-engineered way that the thing just collapses in your mouth. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you get the bugle, a little bit of creme fraiche inside, a little caviar on top. Dang. Off you go, bro. On that's that, that's on the thing. Rexler's. Like, What's the vibe of the, yeah, I read this thing about Rexler's trying to bring back caviar or trying to make sure it's chill. And I just wanted to ask. I don't know. I haven't read this. Been. Where was this? Or somewhere? I guess it was LA Weekly this, week, this last week. But it was about... Really high-end, sustainable it's about really caviar good, farming? Yeah. And trying to go, okay, let's, how do we figure this out? about Wexler's doing that. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. I heard about that. Because he makes all of his own... Smoked fish and meats and pastrami's and all that stuff in house bagels yeah. everything yeah I think he's, they said he makes everything in house except for the cream cheese yeah, yeah. it's Philly and what which is just Philly co- which is Philly yeah but yeah. he was talking about how he wants to do that apply that same work into caviar which is kind of interesting like just the idea of like hey I'm just going to start making my own caviar it's bizarre to me because I know very little about caviar. But I just always thought it was one of those dishes that just lives on its own single ingredient. There's not really a process. It's more about f- 
Right, you just scoop farming the, the actual okay. ingredient. You scoop it out of a fish and put it into a metal tin, and then yeah. you just start adding zeros. Again, Maybe some salt. prefacing the this zeros. with not knowing anything about caviar, mm-hmm. but just assume that it was the like process. it was a very specific fish in a certain ocean, and that's how they they right. they differentiate, and that's that's mm-hmm. it. You, it, you obviously, find, there's a little bit of subtlety, like w- when you get like a really nice high grade sushi, where it's just like it's, you're just eating fish, but like the man has cut it and prepared it in all these little subtle, intricate ways that have made it taste a little bit better than the competition. I'm sure proper. some of that goes into the caviar making yeah. and packaging as well. But I could also picture that entire process of trying to harvest that caviar. Basically, being like a clear cut and burn of the entire ocean until you find the one fish that's worth everything else that you yeah. destroyed in the process. Yeah, or if you're an amateur caviar farmer, <laughs> yes, right. What, that too. What the <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that, that seems a little like like when you're like, oh, I'm just gonna go like shoot a duck. I'm gonna drive an hour away and shoot a duck, and then like cook it up and be like a, a hunter gatherer forager man. Shout out to Jeff. There's it's gonna be a lot tougher with with the caviar. Just yeah. so I'm just gonna like just cut a bunch of fish open until I see some eggs and just scoop that on a bohini. <laughs> like, I think I did it. Oh, so dark. A little bluegill. Yeah, we got some low country caviar, brother. Mm-hmm. She's Pragers. Get the spoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, plastic spoon. Big mouth Billy caviar. Yeah. Um, on that one though, that I only well, I didn't find out. I found out arguably relatively recently, which I don't know if this is a known thing. But black cod and sable, same thing. Had no idea. Yeah, I didn't so know that, that either. That Nobu black cod is that Russ and daughter's smoked sable. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Nobu black cod. Best thing we ate. Best thing I ate this week. There's a couple things. I, I, I had some taco zone sweatero tacos. Oh. I had that, always the best I thing ate you that ate. T- the last two nights in a row. <laughs> eat that seven nights in a row. It's gonna be just as good. Just good. Yeah. But um, too good. But that that one's been in the that arrow's been in the quiver for many a year. <laughs> but I, I went to it's been I went to Night Market Song to visit my my new friend Kim, and they have a new special on the menu. The they have you know like when you go to like a, a Thai place and they'll have the little cream cheese crispy wontons. Mm, of course, they do crab they have, rangoon. Crab rangoons yeah. again, something that does not exist in England. But right. NYC, you, you, you can't like, cross the street without tripping over a crab rangoon. Mm-hmm. But that they do, uh, East Coast. they do basically a crab rangoon, and it's served on a bed of like, a, like kind of like a sweet vinegar sauce with cucumbers and, and fresh chopped onions. But they have a really nice, high quality blue crab mm-hmm. in there instead. Dang man! Mm. So yeah. just really nice. Super high quality blue crab in in the Rangoon. On a hot summer night, sounds good. Me like a lot. Ooh, it was good. I mean, it's basically just like you know when you go to a nice sushi place and you get a blue crab hand roll, a little bit of a little little blue crab, a little bit of just a just a nubbin of cream cheese in there with the rice and the seaweed, and it just it's so creamy and and uh, and decadent. Fats on fats. Well, talking going back to your conversations about texture and things soft on soft on soft crab rangoon is the definition of hard on soft mm-hmm. like exactly. it's so nice perfect mm-hmm. yeah never fails soft warm and mushy in the middle and crispy on that outside yeah. baby yeah, it goes beyond hard almost it goes airy and yeah oh i want i'm, I'm excited i'm gonna Poof be, crunch i'm gonna get that very soon mm-hmm. paired what? with a really nice glass of chilled white wine and some frame hustlers from the 80s on the wall you can only get yes. that at night does market. it get better night markets night markets 
wine is always so good. Mm-hmm. The food is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's the best. I don't know if I've ever had a complaint about Night Market other than waiting because it's popular. <laughs> yeah. first, I mean, that's, it's like it's yeah. so funny because the the interior you you go to places that try that hard or at least think that they're tr- going to try and do something kitschy but fun and relevant and enjoyable, and it misses so hard. And to me, the interior of Night Market is just like fire perfect mm-hmm. spot on it's, like it's too it's too it's perfect yeah it's, it's just all you, you can tell that nobody like the people who are in charge of making it look how it looks are not dorks yeah no, and that's, that's how most restaurants are and a good recurring thing on this podcast i listen to regular listeners to this uh, damn podcast. we got two now damn. <laughs> chris jewett's um restaurant merch game and i gotta say Ooh, night market's yes. restaurant merch some yeah. of the best yeah, yeah, their merchandise is really. really All I got to say though, it's like I bought a well, I bought a couple of tees and they shrink the fuck out. So just get that's a better, bummer, man. Get a better blank. Get a better, blank. get a better blank. Yeah. Get a better blank. Kim, you listen Pump it up. That shows how janky it is. Run that up the flagpole. Yeah. Get that. That's get a better blank. But I'm, I'm just gonna keep on buying them. But also take a take a page out of my tall book and cold water wash hang dry. You got to, and you got no. You have a minimal shrinko. Stewie, best thing you ate all week. I'm going to show some love to the neighborhood that I'm leaving, actually. I, my last day at Burgalore's was on Sunday. Or was it yeah, last Sunday? So I'm out. So the last... I, actually, I think it was... Yeah, it was my last day. I went to Lao Tao. No, sorry. Hey, whatever. It was one of my last days. Lao Tao, they were a, a, a Taiwanese food truck. Mm-hmm. They, I think they got some nice press. They're upstairs next to Ramen Champ in the Far East Plaza in Chinatown, oh, Los Angeles. Um, there's soft openings of like 11 to 3, Tuesday or Wednesday through Sunday. And my, I have a, a friend from Burger Lords who, his name's Wei Chow, what up Wei, who's cooking over there as well. And he made me like a little like off-menu joint. It's, a, it's called the Beef Ban Mian. It's this super specific flat noodle that they do that guess it's like this like Taiwanese staple. It's like what you gotta do. Like their whole vibe is street food. So slow cooked uh like braised beef, Chinese five spice, these noodles, sorry, eight hour spicy bone marrow broth. So mm. it's it's like it was intense. It was I was I was feeling the pain. Napa cabbage, pickled pickled cukes, but he added uh sweet corn just to balance the the, the crunch. Mm. And it was like, mm. ooh, boy. And that then asked for Wei Chow to, to hook up the corn. And it was very, very good. Wei but, Chow. But yeah, I'm out of Burger Lords. Uh, it's next, bittersweet. Dude? What's next is um, I'm finna wait tables and then just make more money off of... Okay, here's a little insight. Managing restaurants is really hard. It takes a lot of time. You don't get paid a lot of money. And if you have the goal of opening a place of your own or with your friends or whomever... It's really hard to manifest that while running somebody else's place. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, and I've had this conversation with a few people who are also managers, and a lot of them have either uh, stepped back or found like a different means of making money, of paying the bills. For sure. To find the time. So Selling weed's a popular choice. Exactly. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Methamphetamines, weed, yep. whatever you need. And so that's what, I'm mean, not the weed or the meth, but yeah, just go back to my roots, wait some tables, still be in the industry. 
uh, have more free time, be a better boyfriend, be a better friend, be a better son. Mm-hmm. You know, just like be, a, be, a, deep. be around yeah, more. Deep. Yeah, the guys made you go deep. It was the quickest, <laughs> the quickest, the very knowledgeable, like fun, fun five years, but easily the quickest five years of my life was, was the time I've spent managing restaurants. Yeah. Five years. Oh, it's already 2007. Yeah. So five years of managing restaurants, whether it's from Max Miliano to blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. It, it was the yeah. easily the quickest five years. All the gray hairs came in that period, and yeah. So I'm 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 out. Bye. Good run though, baby. Thank you. Yeah. We'll Good run. To you, Congratulations. Mm-hmm. So wanted, somebody wanted, sponsor us so I can make more money off of we, or any money off of this. There's one thing that I always actually wanted to ask. That I heard there was rumors of when you guys did the brother brothers brunch. Mm-hmm. Was your spam masubi handmade spam? Like, or did you? What was the vibe? Yes, it was. That's what I heard. There were bricks involved. That's big thing that I was just like, why? That's the only thing that... I, it was a scratch. I feel it was, annoyed that I missed. I made the spam, and it was <laughs> two nights in a row, probably up till like five, four or five in the morning. Because we you, also made more than we how needed. you make... Oh, this is why I have Terrence on the like pod, a, by the way. Is it like a I like this. sausage, a really <laughs> blended sausage? Exactly that. It's exactly that. A lot of things that you would imagine, like... Is it steamed, boiled? It's Yeah, you know, it's a water bath. It's a low-temperature water bath. So that takes just, like... You kind of make a meatloaf in a water bath. Yep. So so what we did was we ground pork shoulder along with bacon and just pure pork fat. Um, And then added a few things, like... When we tested, we made a few batches before. Quite a few, at least three or four, probably. More than a few. And yeah. so there were elements like there was a little bit of sriracha, there was a little bit of hoisin, salt and pepper, there was like even a little bit of cinnamon. But so we got it to a place where sugar? we liked it. There was sugar yeah. and salt. Mm-hmm. Um, Get out. But it's basically you're grinding, you're just grinding that meat, mixing, and then putting it into a water bath. Did you have a test kitchen for like, how did you blend it so smooth? Well, just through a meat grinder. Just kept it. It was going. a meat grinder on a KitchenAid. Which really can, like, at, at a certain point, it will get, you, I think it comes with three discs of different um, size. Yeah, the die. So if, when you use the smallest, it really, I mean, you can make sausage with that. It gets very, very fine. Yeah. And then when you, after you cook it, you, you press it down. Yeah, to to, yeah. Uh, to make it a lot more condensed and solid. Something heavy. So that, you like put a you so put, we put a use Home Depot top. bricks wrapped in foil, and it just sat on top of another layer of foil, just pressing it in, down into the mold. In did what, you in, did yeah. you guys fuck yourself even harder by slicing <laughs> it and then maybe a little kind of teriyaki glaze and then pan pan frying every single 100%. piece and then put them within the thing? Um, this is actually yes. super that's theoretical exactly because that's how happened. I would have wanted to eat yes. it. Ba- that's so exactly. <laughs> are you asking if we should have just done a musubi po- uh, brunch on itself or like a, a musubi like I'm lunch or dinner? Because the answer is probably yes. Because yeah, all the work it takes to do the musubi by itself, it should have just been like all musubi. The thing that's really funny is like masubi to me is spam masubi and i was shout yes. out again to my boy omid we're driving past uh outside of pine and crane they have that little market the farmer's market mm-hmm. we're just chatting about it blah 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 but he was like oh there's this chick that does masubi and i was like oh damn they got spam masubi let's go and he was like no no it's like healthy basically sushi rolls. whack masubi I was like, mm-hmm. was, was, was subi, my, my, yeah, what kind will. of wasubi is that no 
That's like trying to get fried chicken and be healthy. Yeah, give so that like, to No, just be healthy in other meals and then just go huh? whole hog. But then it's just a sushi roll. But that's what I kind of made. Exactly. Like, surely, yeah. so I didn't even, that only, that actually kind of made me check myself on that idea of fuck, I don't even know if there's other masubis except for spam masubi and everything else is just a hand roll. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, so there's, my there's parents, Here's my the... parents have lived in Hawaii since the 90s. And are you Hawaiian? No, 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 Italian. But my dad saw a stoplight going to our town, so he had to get out and go somewhere even farther away from a stoplight. But so you get you get like the masabi, you get like the egg masubi, you have the traditional spam masubi, and then the very popular is like a chicken finger masubi. Those are usually all the only the three that you see in a gas station. The chicken ones are good. All very edible. Yeah. All very delicious. Yeah. But when I get a masubi and it hasn't been like hit on a plancha or on a grill with a little bit of teriyaki, it's just not a masubi. It's not, it's not masubi, right? No, 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 no. It's a super lazy, not fun masubi. Yeah. And then yeah. you do that one step that takes 30 seconds, and you're just like, what is this wizard magic? Yeah. This is fantastic. You guys, when you guys did that, did you bring in like a plancha and stuff? We, we brought had, in loads of stuff. We had not um, a big boy though. electric grills that were basically like two small plug-in planchas because it wasn't a full... like. A fully functional commercial kitchen. It no. was somewhere in between. We had space, but we just basically had a four top gas range and then brought in a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, we had a lot of uh, juice coming in, so we had to use really yeah. long extension cords, which thank oh, God for, they had. For the first four things minutes, were tripping the and popping, up, and all fryers. we did was blow breakers. Oh, 100%, yeah, because man. you had a deep fat fryer in there? Oh, yeah, a little and a rice guy. Maker. And the rice cookers? No, 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 that's all we did for the first 40 minutes. And Nobody d- got and food burners. or drinks. We just blew breakers until we could finally I've get done, things turned done up. That too. It oh, was, God, it was amazing. It was Terrence, cr- what's the best thing you ate all week? <laughs> Do I get to have, because I'm not from Los Angeles, can I have a couple? Yes, mm-hmm. please. As you wish. As many as you feel like firing. All right. First up, Daiho. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the SGV. Just kicking it with my other Rough Riders. Mm-hmm. Stop. Know who that is. Drop. Explain what that is for somebody who does not know. So I've been there a couple of times, and it's basically this. It's, uh, I think it's the greatest uh, Taiwanese beef noodle soup that I've ever had. It's the deepest, the darkest red. It's that one that people literally come on on Instagram. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I've never had it before until I went a couple of mm, year and a bit ago with... Um, some friends, which I'm sure you guys know, Ben Wang and Aaron Garcia. That's it. On the hunt for that Taiwanese. Gods. Um, and it was incredible. And so we went back there and I hadn't had it in the whole time. And like, it's one of those things where I think it's like a bow or something. It's like anyone can, anyone now makes a beef noodle soup. And the big jokes was this Pine and, what's Pine and Crane saying? But this one was, it was ridiculous. It's so deep. I think they... Ben and I kind of got into talking about how they do it. I think they blend up all their spices, like grind the spices, then toast them rather than the other way around. Huh. I personally think there's a little bit of tomato puree or some sort of tomato sweet, like natural sweetness in there, which kind of takes it to another level. Makes perfect it's sense. so dark. It's like the most beautiful hue of red and brown that I've ever seen for a noodle soup. Mm, okay. So that's the one. And they have the best tripe salad that I've ever mm. had. Oh. They cut right. that shit mad thin, like kind of Lardo thin and toss that with Szechuan mm-hmm. and no chili oil. Mm-hmm. So that, okay. that's what kicked off my week. That works. Okay. That's that beautiful. Number yeah. two? Three, Number four. two would be going back to what Jason was saying before, but on the, I, I witnessed the election uh, debate, which was pretty interesting. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. That's a whole yeah. other podcast. That is we a whole apologize. other podcast. But again, we got Night Market as our, po- yes. as our, as our eats to watch this debate. Mm-hmm. 
And I never had their crab fried rice. And I think it ties mm, back yeah, to you talking about that really blue crab that mm-hmm. you were talking about before. That was blue ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That was like, this just looks like a normalized fried rice. I've had the uni akura fried rice. I've had all those, which obviously mm-hmm. in hard. But this was ridiculous. Yeah, Across the whole dinner, you know, full spread, like six of us or something. That just plain ass crab fried rice. They put in, they went in hard, I think, with like a lot of fermented other fish things to make it more umami bombs. Unctuous. Yes. That was tasty. And then I would say my last thing was I went to Baru. Drum roll. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Right so good. <laughs> and yeah, obviously, seen those pics and the idea and that it's a Korean squirrel and wanted to go. Um, and then we went and it's took a, a great description. I've never heard it described as a Korean squirrel and that is very spot on. Also, in the a, best possible way. What a cute name for something. Yeah, Korean squirrel. A mm-hmm. Korean squirrel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, your future girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry to interrupt, but that was, sorry brilliant. To interrupt, that was a brilliant. And sorry to discuss. What, was, what was your favorite thing there? We kind of ordered, we went through and ordered everything. Yeah. <clears throat> I would say... If you have enough people, that's the move at that, that is, place because everything is so interesting. Mm-hmm. And the menu is small. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, there's not a lot yeah. to dig through. <clears throat> Unlike real us talking about food shit. <laughs> <laughs> kimchi with the like pineapple jus kimchi. Shit yeah. like that oh, I thought yeah. was my favorite stuff. Like yeah. The bowls were insane and they were amazing, but they... I, I more was way more excited by eating the pickles because I was oh, yeah, like, I really the like that. Yeah, it's white pineapple kimchi where you're like, that still looks like Napa cabbage. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's like fizzy. It's got that fermentation and the pineapple jus just kills it. They don't call it banchan, but I feel like you should. I mean, that's what it is to me. But it's like that's you because sh- they charge for it, right? Yeah. I mean, you should be able just to order like, just can I have that and a side of rice? Yeah. Like and those large drinks, servings and a side of rice. Those drinks were crazy. Like I never, I've never really had because um, everyone that I was with were just like, oh, these are like those sipping vinegars. Yeah, oh, yeah. I never yeah. had that before. Yeah, oh they, no, what do they call those again? I don't know what they call them because beyond shrubs, I take it. They know what they call them because they're they Korean. Have a, they have but, a special name for it. Yeah, because they, they have kombucha and then they have another one. I forgot what it's called. Yeah, that's way more vinegary, but it was like an elderflower one or a um, a pineapple one. The same. It's mm. interesting to me because it's only two people that do it front to back. They're and called the tepache. Yes, tepache, which is a Mexican thing, right? I guess so, yeah. You would think that, I mean, or everybody thought that they would be they would be out of business in like three months. Like this was like almost like an art, like an art installation, them trying to do this, just the two yeah. of them and the quality of what they're making and for the money they're charging. They're still open. It's been, what, two years? Year and a half? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's amazing to me that it's still happening and it makes me very happy. Still the too. same guys. And arguably I saw that they went over to um, New York to do a little pop-up at Wild Air. Mm-hmm. I'm not into Wild Air. Even though I know a lot of people are, so apologies, but <laughs> I literally got up from a meal and left and went over to Estella to finish my meal at what because I didn't know what else. There. I like it, but like pulling no punches. Yeah, but I like that they went out and they could. You know, we're, again, we're talking about this with other friends, but the idea that there's two of them, so they can close shop and they're in what Little right. Armenia or whatever that yep. area is called, where mm-hmm. they can close shop for a month, yeah, go to New York, destroyed on rent in theory. Do a business there and then still come back. Yeah, like that's just. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure their rent is like twelve hundred dollars or something. <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, yeah. I would. I would just, uh, all I know is that it's cheaper than being on La Brea. Yeah, but then know. local is on La Brea. Um, La Brea today, yep. which again I think is a, a super interesting idea of like how something that can be fucking super tasty and still have two dollar meal deals. Yeah, 
Well, it's a different La Brea than what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Cheap yeah, coffee. Of course. It's a little bit of a deeper La Brea. Different part of La Brea. Well, they have that truck now. Yeah, that's what I kind of mean. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they have a yeah. truck now. Yeah, they have a truck. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the truck. Because they pulled yeah. outside of uh, Undefeated today. Yeah, they're all over the place and they've been around Good all over know. LA. Yeah. Kind of all right, Terrence Tay. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, guys. I've been a, you know, it's an, it's an honor. What's your Instagram so people can go find you? An honor. Thank you. My Instagram is kind of redundant. It's your name. No, it's at TFC Bootleg. But I don't update it. I only got those stories, so you can only see what's real. Okay. Real life. Fire. Is there somewhere online that people should go to to see you? No. Okay. No, they can. You Man can, of mystery. We do, yeah, let's keep it like that. TFC way. bootleg on Instagram. Or you can just follow me instead. <laughs> exactly. Way sexier. Um, Stewie Stewart on Instagram. Undercard Empire on the social media. Don't need it. The is the website where all the episodes live. Please take a brief moment to go on iTunes and subscribe. Give us a nice little rating and review so we can get bumped up and juicier. That'd be good. Quick one on you that. Quick one on that though. Why aren't you on SoundCloud? I, wanted, I actually, this is a quite good. I wanted to. No, no I just don't like SoundCloud. All right, that's good. SoundCloud's know. just kind of whack. Good and they're, then they're they're going to be bought by Spotify. They had their issues. Yeah, I heard that. On, on I have a personal. Uh, I have a personal. Just lots of people do. Lately. I'm not into it. Yeah, you know they've they've canceled half the people I know has their SoundCloud accounts canceled, deleted, 100%. removed, suspended. It's just like. We get we get calls from our own music we own. Yeah, yeah. I'm the record label that you that you work at. I'm sure every week you get a message saying the song that you have paid to produce and record and mix and master and release is being taken down by your own record label for copyright infringement. And the best way that that happens is when you're about to release it on announced day and you all planned a beautifully oh. orchestrated rollout strategy to launch at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. and it's been pulled down. Mm-hmm. So I prefer... So we're good. Just straight away iTunes. That's where most people, the majority of the world listens to their podcasts. No, that's good. I, it was literally uh, a just a quick very question. valid, valid yeah. little Q. Mm-hmm. Little Q&A. So that's what it is. And that's where podcasting lives. Mm. And then I will be there tomorrow, you if you're listening to this Saturday, or if you're listening to it Sunday, it's today at the Eastside Food Festival in Silver Lake, California. You can go to eastsidefoodfest.com. To make it easier, that's Sunday, October 2nd. You can also say October 2nd. In, there you go. In Los or Angeles. The where 2nd of October. The, or the 2nd of October. Um, a bunch of food vendors from all over LA, especially the east side, but a little bit of everything. A lot of the ones that we like very much have talked about before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Let's I mean... See. Sticky Rice, Silver Lake Wine, Same Same, Trois Familia, Pock Pock, Ohana, Poke, Momed, Little Beast, Kitchen Mouse, Kettle Black, Jolly Oyster, Jenny's Ice Cream, Go Get Him Tiger, Homestead. Shout out to Poke's PR firm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just Poke in general is going to be there. Boxed Water, The Big Green Egg, Button Mash, Angel City, Better Booch, Clover. It's all there. And the list goes on. But also I will be hosting the uh, kind of panel discussion area. Um, Alvin from Egg Slut, his podcast with the Bad Mash guys are going to record one of those. They're going to record an episode of Snacky Tunes, a podcast from food podcast from New York, and then cool. Greg and Darren. Yeah, 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 Greg and Darren tying it back to what we said at the beginning. They're the ones who did dinner with the band. Yeah, They're the ones who won. <laughs> oh, no, <I'm> <laughs> um, screw you guys. And then 
There's going to be a a seminar on edibles, marijuana, and cooking. No. And then another one about kind of living waste-free and reducing your carbon footprint and all that, that stuff. stuff. All that stuff. But, it's, but the majority of what happens is you walk around, eat a bunch of f- food. For a great price. Have some alcohol. Goes to charity, a lot of it. Bunch of cool money. People, most of it goes to a nonprofit charity. And it's a cool thing. And yeah. our friends do it. So come, yeah. come through and check that out if you are available. Oh, yeah, Monday as well. One more. My, I know they don't employ me anymore, but Otium and Burgalords are doing a collab on Monday and every Monday of October. After party at General Lee's, like roasted eel on a burger, like interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it should be really good. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna be there. See you Monday. Bye, y'all. Bye, guys. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.